Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday Night Bible Study. We are in a series called Knowing the Ways of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your loving kindness, for your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you that you make up the difference for those who have a right heart because we do miss it from time to time, but your power, your grace is there to make up the difference and to help us along the way. We thank you, God, that we are powerful, we are mighty in Christ Jesus. It is him as where we get our strength from. It is the Holy Ghost that guides us, directs us, comforts us. He's our standby. He's our advocate. He's our helper. And he is our great strengthener. There is nothing that we cannot do because there is nothing the Holy Ghost cannot do and he lives in us. So, Father, we thank you tonight as we break open your word, knowing the ways of God, that our hearts would be open and that we would receive your word, Father, and make the necessary corrections where correction needs to be made. And we thank you, Father, for the great blessings from heaven that will come to us as we step out as an act of faith into the ways of God to the promises of God. We must experience the great promises, Father, to please you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we talked about uh, faith to know in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In Romans 12, 2, Paul tells us to renew our mind to the word of God. Second Peter 1, 5 says that we need to add knowledge to our faith. And Romans 10, 2 has an interesting passage there. In my paraphrase, zeal without knowledge is dangerous. If you have zeal about something, excited, haven't you heard somebody say, you know, God is calling them into something and he's revealed that to them. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And they step out. You know, Amy Simple McPherson and her first husband are great examples of this. I believe it was China that they went to. They felt like, that, I mean, they were like 19 and 20 and they wanted to go to China and be missionaries there. So they had great zeal and their zeal is what led them there. But they had no knowledge of China. They had no knowledge of how to minister to foreigners. They had no knowledge. So zeal without knowledge is dangerous. She lost her husband to, was it malaria? I don't remember. No, I don't think it was malaria. I think it was something else, uh, poison from food. I don't remember. But anyway, because they had a lack of knowledge, her husband was destroyed. His life on earth was destroyed, understand? And he had no seed. There was no child, no seed. So see, his life was taken. He was killed. So his life on earth was stolen from him. His life was stolen from Sister Amy. He had no heritage after him. So his family line was destroyed. Remember John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, that's what happened to her husband because they had zeal without knowledge. So it's important to have knowledge about what it is we're excited about. Amen. And so we need to know that the will of God is that we are healed and of course, you know, we all know that the will of God is that we be healed, that we be in perfect health, that we walk in wealth and abundant supply. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly, more abundantly. That's a constant overflow. So we know that it is God's will. What we have to do is seek out in the word, not just his will, but the way to experience the benefits of being in his will. So we talked about Mark 11. 23, one of the ways to experience the promises of God, one of the ways to healing is to say it. Mark eleven twenty three says, For verily I say unto you, 
that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Now, mountain could be sickness in your body, and that's what we're talking about right now, sickness in your body. But it also could be you have uh, something that God has called you to do, and there is still zero, zero, zero in your bank account. Well, those zeros are mountains. There is something standing in the way of you and the will of God. If there's sickness in your body, that sickness is standing in the way of you and God's will for your life. So you have to say something. You have to say to that mountain of sickness, be thou removed and you be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you're saying, they will come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's Mark eleven twenty three. You need to make that passage a part of your devotional life. I mean, this is the main uh, faith scripture in the Bible. This is the principle here. Saying and believing. Saying what you believe. Okay, so we know that one of the ways to cooperate with healing power is to say. And then, of course, Matthew eight seventeen says that it had to be spoken or it was spoken by a man, Elijah. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and diseases. Ha. So it has to be said by a man, Psalm 107.2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we need to be saying something all day, not just in the morning during our devotional life. Because the more you say it, the more you'll have it. So there are two properties right now that God said is ours. In other words, it's his will that we have them and they're available. So every day throughout the day, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that you are showing us your glory regarding a full supply to buy these properties outright. So I don't just say it in the morning. I say it all day because these properties are available. Somebody else could come along and get them. And so all day long, I say that. And I say, nobody's interested in those properties but us. Father, we thank you. The angels are bringing us a full supply, a full supply to buy both of these properties. And then I'll present my case. There is no reason, Father, why we should not have these properties. So when I say that, if there is something I don't know, at that point, he will tell me that. Understand, at that point, he will tell me that. So I don't have to say, well, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Am I doing something wrong? No, I don't have to do that. I say, Lord, there's no reason. Why? And I'll even mention my spiritual mother. I said, my spiritual mother pays cash for things. So there's no reason why I can't pay cash for things. I have angels just like she has angels. I've learned from her how to cooperate and work with supernatural power as good as I do natural power. And so I just present my case. See, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm on the path to the will of God to experience the benefits, to experience these properties coming into our name. And then when I'm saying that to God, because in Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So what am I doing when I'm presenting my case? That's in prayer. I'm presenting my case to the Lord. So I believe, the only reason I'm presenting my case is because I believe these properties are mine. But it hasn't manifested yet. I don't go to God and talk to him and say, well, why hasn't it happened yet? That doesn't even, that's not even a thought in my mind because I know, okay, let me just share this with you. You come to a place, I don't even know how to put this in words. You come to a place where you go beyond faith to a knowing. You're not necessarily believing it in. It's a knowing. It's mine. I believe, I received when I prayed. So it's mine. It's like a knowing. It's like I talk about hooking it. You know when you've hooked it. Well, when you've hooked it, nobody can cause you to doubt. 
I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in the natural. Somebody could come along and buy one of these properties. That's all right because it's going to come right back on the market. It'll come right back on the market because it belongs to me. So I'm not going to get discouraged. One particular property is owned by a pastor that went home to be with the Lord, and his wife would like me to have that property. And it's $150,000, and it's a great deal. It's 15 acres, and it's got a, a functional church building on it with a little... It's got 15 acres. I mean, 15 acres is a good amount of property to, to build things on, you know? And so I, when I talked to God about that property, he I wrote it all down. He gave me the plan for that property, and that's to be our junior Bible school. The, uh, it'd be more like a summer Bible school, getting a student uh, ready, like students who aren't graduated from high school yet, getting students ready for the a senior Bible school that would be on another property. Well, anyway, so she wants me to have that property. Even before the pastor died, they were talking and said, boy, this would be great property for Darla. And and that was all that they said. That was all. They didn't talk about it because they didn't know what my plans were, or what God had called me to. And so then as speaking to her, she was talking about the property, and I was very interested in it because by this time, God had told me that property is ours. And I said, okay. I said, I, I can receive that. So I received the property that day, and I began to put my faith on it. So then when I talked to her, I said, how is it going with the property? Are you going to sell it, or what are you going to do? And so she was telling me. And uh, then I said, well, I, I can't remember what I said, but she said, oh, are you interested in it? I said, yes, I am. I didn't tell her what God had said to me or anything like that. And this is what I said to her. I said, Pastor, I said, you have it in your heart. Because, see, they can't legally keep keep any of that money. That That money cannot be personal money to them. Her and her son have to put that in another ministry somewhere or in a charity to stay legal. And, uh, and so they know that. And so I said to her, I said, if you've got some place in your heart that you want to, to put that money, then then you go ahead. If somebody comes along and they've got the money before me, you go ahead and you sell it to them and you do what you have in your heart with that money. That'll come back on the market and I'll get it and I'll be ready for it next time. Right now, I don't have 150000 If I did, I'd be right there taking the deed from you and giving you the money. But I said, I don't. But again, if somebody comes along and they, they're prepared and they want to pay for it, go for it. And then you can do what you have in your heart to do uh, regarding the money from the, the selling of that. So I said, and I'll get it the next time around. Because see, that's exactly what I'll do. I'll get it the next time around. So those kind of things do not faze me. Now, and I told her too, I was straight. I said, listen, I am not looking for you to give me that property. Listen, <laughs> woo, I've never paid cash for anything that high priced because it's not expensive really it's a good deal for that whole thing and i'm very familiar with the property i used to go to church there i don't know that it's a choking point for me but if if she were to give it to me i would be rejoicing but i don't mind exercising my faith that gives me something to stretch my faith on that's so exciting and uh, i mean i love it and so every day I'm calling that property and according to the will of God that Tim and I pay cash for it. He has not told me anything else. And so I let her know. I said, I am not expecting you to, to sign that over to us and give that to us. I, please understand, you do what, what's in your heart, but I'm not expecting you to do that. I can believe that money in just as easy as I could believe you to sign the title over and not want any money. Let me just add my faith to where you're at so you can have the money to do what's in your heart to do. And so she didn't really know what to say. She goes, well, well, that's another way to look at it. She goes, well, I'll, I'll be keeping this in prayer. And so, and then it ended. And so I, I'm in contact with her. 
you know, at least she knows. And I even wrote the everything I wrote out, I felt led to send it to her so, so she would know exactly what I'm doing with the property. And because he was my pastor at one time and I honor him, that's one of the reasons the Lord said that property is yours, because we kept going back there and honoring him. And we stood with them when people were coming against them and trying to force them into retirement because of their age. And so I honored them. And that's what God said, because I said, Lord, why, why are you giving me that property? He says, because you honored them. And he says, I want you to have their property. And so he says, because you will continue to honor them. And he's right. I will. I, I'm going to put up a, a picture of them in the foyer. You know, that's where that that actual ministry started and and have some history there for of the building to keep uh, them honored when he's home to be with the Lord, but she's not yet. And so they will be honored. And so I put that in a letter. I'm taking that property and I'm still flowing out of the man of God that started that ministry there. See, and so that should appeal to her. Well, uh, big time. I would have definitely appealed to me because there is no no one to um, succeed him. So his ministry will die. God doesn't want that to die just because he went home to be with the Lord. She said to me, she's like um, 85 years old. She said, if I was younger, I'd be right in there. She goes, and I know you'd help me and we'd get that thing up and running. I said, yes, we would. Yes, we would. But she said, I just don't have the energy for that. I said, I understand that. And so um, my point is this. No matter what happens, that property is mine, and I'm not letting go of it. I don't need it right now for the junior Bible school. I don't need it right now. So if she lets it go to somebody else, that's okay. I'll be ready. Tim and I will be ready the next time that comes back around. Glory to God. That doesn't mean we have to move out of Milwaukee in order to do that. Please understand that. So I don't want you to think we're making plans to move. We're going to buy property and get out of here. That's not our heart at all. We love our church. And the Lord has not spoken to us about leaving. So my point is this. I'm saying it not just during devotions. I say it all day long. Why? Because I believe it belongs to me. That's why I say it. I don't say it to make it happen. It's already happened. It's a done deal in the spirit. And when you move past the faith level into the knowing level, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. It belongs to me. It's a done deal. And then that's how you receive. You see, I'm saying it. Why? Because I received it. I received it. These are the ways that I'm going to experience that property. I said it. I receive it. And I keep saying it. And now the action of that is my my responding to the power of God. The, the power of God will come by the way of knowledge. And he'll give me knowledge to add to my faith regarding these things. And that like the letter to her, he gave me knowledge. Okay, write all of that out and send it to her. And I said, okay, what was that knowledge that I added to my faith? You see, so I responded to the manifested power of God when he spoke. You see, but now the reason that his power came to me and spoke to me and gave me knowledge to add to my faith was because of what I was saying. You see, when you say something, it'll stop the power of God and you'll see demonstration. Faith is action. And so I take action by stopping the power of God with my words. Just like when you walk into a room and you flip the light switch, you just assigned electrical power to that room. Just like when you turn on the stove, you just assigned electrical power or gas power. When the refrigerator is sitting there, when you open the door, the light comes on. Well, you just assigned electrical power as far as the light is concerned. The whole time that 
that refrigerator is plugged in, you're assigning power. You're assigning power. But if you unplug that, it will lose the power. You see, you have to stay connected to the power of God in order to be the light that God says that we are to be. Matthew 5, 14, we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. But we have to stay plugged into Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'll be like a refrigerator that's been unplugged. There'll be no light. There'll be no energy. And there'll be no will of God being performed in the earth by us if we are not connected. And I'm, it, it, that reminds me, I'm going to be ministering in Christianity 101 on this Sunday, talking about the importance of being connected in the local church. And some of you are connected in the local church, but if you're not going to another Sunday school class, you can come in and be encouraged by that great word to be connected. When you lose connection, see, you might have your devotional life in the morning and every morning, but then you don't stay connected all day long. And when you're not connected all day long, now you're shut down. So what God has for you throughout the day, he can't get to you. Well, that again, that's like a refrigerator that you unplug. You see, you have to switch the light switch on in order for that electrical power to come into the room. But a refrigerator is constantly plugged in. You never unplug that. Well, we're supposed to be like that. But not necessarily refrigerators. We don't want to be cold. We want to be hot, right? So we could say a furnace. A furnace is always plugged in. So we need to be like a furnace and always be plugged in and have our temp running high. Because a while ago, I think I mentioned this a little bit ago, but a while ago, last year or sometime, maybe it was before or maybe it was two years ago, the Lord told us in our prayer meeting to be fire starters. Well, we need to be burning hot, always plugged in. And if all we're doing is devotionals in the morning, but we have no awareness of God for the rest of the day, we are not plugged in. Somewhere we have unplugged ourselves. Because we've gotten busy with the cares of earth. In Second Chronicles, it says this, in chapter 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That's the first part. Now, I don't know about you, but I work at my heart being perfect toward God. A heart that is perfect toward God is a heart that puts God first in everything. Matthew six thirty-three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing and being right. And all of these things that you need shall be added unto you. So those things are not automatically added. We have to do our part responding to the word, which is responding to God's power. The word is God's power. So we're responding to the word and we're putting God first. We put God first over our husband. Do you let your husband, if some of you on the line who are married, some more people have come on, uh, um, uh, do you let your husband, do you let your wife keep you out of the house of God and keep you out of meetings that you have been committed to? Ooh, okay now. Now I'm, I'm kind of hitting us right there where we live. See? Yeah. Do you let your children and their activities keep you out of the house of God because you have to run them to their dance lessons and you have to run them to to their little um whatever else they might be involved in, their sports? Yeah. Do you not come to church on Sunday because your son has a wrestling match on Sunday morning? Come on now. Yeah. Are you putting... No, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. You're thinking. No, 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 no. I put God first, but I do put my family before the church. And I do put my family before ministry. It's God, family, and ministry. Now, that's what they used to teach us. Oh, yeah, that's what they used to teach us. But I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. 
As a matter of fact, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is that? Everything that pertains to God. Seek his right way of doing. Seek his right way of being. So we have to seek every, we put everything first that pertains to God. Does not the church and ministry pertain to God? If I, if I believed God first, family second, and church and ministry third, I would still be married to the other fellow. But I didn't believe, I, I don't believe that. God comes first. I don't care if I'm legally married to you. I'm following God. If you're not going to follow God, I'm going to follow God without you. That's what happened the first time. And it'll happen again if it ever had to. Of course, Tim and I, I don't think he's like that. He, he thinks like I do. But I'm just making a point. If he decided he don't want to follow God, I'm going for it. I'm going full speed ahead. I am following God. God comes first. I put God before my husband. And he puts God before me. Now, that's the right way to do it, see? Now, we'll never get into the experiences of the promises of God. We'll never get into those things unless we seek first the kingdom of God. And as long as we're going to do things our way, we're going to struggle. We're always going to be reaching, but never grasping, never laying hold, because we're following our own ideas in our head, not even acknowledging God in this path we have taken. Understand that. I understand that you need to, if your husband is not, or your wife is not born again, they not really behind all that you do. They think that you're too busy with the church and all of that. I understand that God can give you wisdom that will keep peace in the home, but it will not keep you out of the plan of God. God will never lead you to follow your husband and stay home. He'll never lead you to follow your husband and stay out of those places that to help you to develop spiritually. He'll never do that. And sometimes you have to make a choice. This one particular gal, I've been telling her, get out, get out, because she's married to an unclean man. And he lives out in the world and he's into pornography and in a bunch of junk your mind can't even think about. As long as she stays hooked up with him, she is displeasing God. Hear me, she is displeasing God. See, with the other fella, I put God first. I put God first. Now, I went through a transition period. I'd been married almost 30 years. Woo-wee, I'd never been single. I married, you know, at 16 years old. So I didn't even know what being single was. I mean, I just felt like I was born married. When you marry at 16, you just feel like you just born married, you know. And so it was a real transition for me. But he even wanted to come back. He asked me if he could come back. I said no. Because he had not repented. He had not changed. So God would have been displeased with me just as much as he was when I was 16. And I said yes to him and married him. So now I have another chance to say yes or no. This time I said the right thing. I said no. And the religious group, you know, the religious crowd of the city there, they thought that was awful. I should have took him back because after all, he's my legal husband. I don't care anything about natural legalities. When it comes to natural, I'm not sure why I'm on this, but hey, I'm on it. Um, natural legalities to me, uh, the plan of God for my life trumps natural legalities, uh, overpowers, overtakes natural legalities. Oh, glory to God. Well, we just went down a little rabbit trail, but hopefully that will help some of you on the line today to understand, you know, marriage, God honors marriage. He does honor marriage, but he doesn't honor 
a marriage where one is unclean and won't repent and wants to pull the other one into that. That displeases him. That's where you have to come out from among them. Come out from among the world and be ye separate. All right, now, I think I can move on. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So think about this in the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, the eyes of the Lord, or we could say the spirit of the Lord, is moving throughout the whole sanctuary while pastor is preaching. Uh, while the worship service is going on, he's moving throughout the whole sanctuary, and his eyes are looking for people ha, that he can show himself strong to. In other words, he's looking to lock eyes with someone in the sanctuary who will respond to my spirit. And his eyes are going through the sanctuary, through the worship service, through prayer, through the teaching of the word, through the altar service. His eyes are running to and fro, looking for somebody who has a heart that's perfect toward him that he can show himself strong to. Every day, this is what Earl Roberts said, every day miracles come to you or they pass you by. Right in a church service that's con very conducive for miracles. Miracles pass our people by every Sunday. They pass our people by every Sunday because they don't know how to respond to the Spirit. They don't know how to believe and how to receive, how to say. Faith is what stops the miracle power from going past you. It is faith that says, stop here. I receive it. I lay hold of that now in Jesus' name. You see, that's the beginning of your response, but you must continue. You must continue in that response by seeking the knowledge you need regarding what you received and what you meditate on, the scriptures that you meditate on. Yeah, according to what you receive. So in other words, our pastor said in 2015, it is not God's will that any of his children be sick. And then he quoted 1 Peter 2.24. Well, Nobody that I know of responded to that. I never heard about any miracles from that. I never heard about anybody coming back and testifying and said, my pastor said that. So I got into the word and I searched out the power on healing. And today I stand before you totally healed. I, I haven't heard anything like that. You see, that would have been the way to do it when he said that. That's mine. I lay hold of that. I receive that. And Father, I thank you, Holy Ghost. I thank you for showing me in the word where that's at and showing me how to experience this healing power that my pastor just spoke about. There must be healing power because he said it's not God's will that any of his children be sick. And then he quoted 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Jesus, ye were healed. Well, that means there's power for that. So we have to search out that power and learn how to conduct it. Hallelujah. But it doesn't stop in the service. We have to leave the service and do something. That's my point. I don't think I've ever taught you along these lines before. I've taught you to respond to the Spirit in a service, but I didn't teach you to continue responding. You can't just respond there and now it's over. I don't think I've ever communicated that to you. So I'm communicating it to you now. It doesn't stop there at the service. It goes on. You go home with that. You apply that to your life. You search it out. Now you have responded rightly to the Spirit. And here's my scripture, Mark 10, 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he, Jesus, went out, out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So he was with a great number of people passing by. And there was blind Bartimaeus. Now, keep in mind that I think it's the Amplified says that Jesus was passing by. 
Hallelujah. Verse 47, and when he heard, talking about Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So apparently he had heard about Jesus and that Jesus had healing power. And many charged Bartimaeus that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. So in other words, they were coming against him. They were they were pushing back against him. So he had to cry even louder because they wanted him to hush. See, it's always those that aren't hungry. Always those who are not responding rightly that want to stop you from responding rightly. Just remember that. Don't let anybody make you feel unintelligent because you're crying out to God. Because you're calling forth the power of God to stop on your behalf. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth for thee. In the Message Bible, it says, Oh, you lucky fella. He's calling for you. Almost as though he's calling for you because of favoritism. He's favoring you. He's picking you out among all of the others. But see, this didn't have anything to do with favoritism. This was the call of faith that stopped Jesus. And verse 50 says, and he casting away his garment or that garment was his legal right to beg. That was a beggar's garment. The government issued that to you so you could legally beg. It's like our um, our disability that we get from the government. Yeah, that's available to people who really can't work. Well, Christians, a lot of Christians are on disability. And as long as you're on disability, you'll never be able to go forward into the healing uh, of God. You might try it. I know people who are on disability and they come to the healing room and they're just kind of trying it out. But it's always a whole, it's always a new sickness that comes on them. Yeah, they come into the miracle power and they get healed. But then another sickness arises and they got to get healed again. So it's just constant because they won't let go of the beggar's garment. That's what disability is. If you do not, listen, there's nothing wrong with disability. If you've got your faith on being healed and getting off a of disability. And see, what's the act of faith regarding that? The act of faith regarding that is start looking around for a job. Start looking for what you can do. When you've got your faith on your healing and you're collecting disability, you start looking around for a job. You start saying, Lord, I'm going to need a job because pretty soon I'm going to be able to go off that disability and I need a job. You see, God knows your heart. Now, if you're just saying that you're doing that, and you're not really doing that. God knows, see? And so it's the cry of faith and the act of faith that stops the power of God. So if you're on disability and you're not really using any faith to get off of it, you're not in faith. And so God won't stop for that. It has to be a cry of faith. You might be crying out seemingly you're in faith, but as long as you're not wanting to make any adjustments, you're not in faith. Faith calls for action. Faith calls for adjustment. Yeah. And he casting away his disability rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered. Now he's blind. And he came to Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus answered and said unto him. What wilt thou that I should do for you? The blind man said. Lord that I might receive my sight. Do you see how how absolute and how purposeful he was? He knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly what he was crying out for. Sometimes people come to church. And they don't really know what they want. One gal said to me, well, would you pray for me? I, I'm going to have my um, some kind of tooth fixed or and she's in a lot of pain and it was infected. And so I said, well, how do you want me to pray? And she goes, well, just pray that I will be healed. 
But if I'm not healed, then pray that I will have the money to pay the dentist. Now, see, that didn't make a bit of sense at all. She didn't even know what she wanted. I said, no, I can't agree with any of that. I said, you got to tell me where you're at and I'll meet you there. You can't just say, well, let's believe this and if that don't work, because that's not faith. I said, tell me what you want and I'll meet you there. And she says, well, I guess I, I, I want supply for the doctor. I'll, I'll go to the doctor. So you see, I wanted her to locate herself. You see, and I said, okay, I believe for the supply. And you know what? A miracle came. So there was some kind of money that was allotted to her. And so she was able to get her teeth fixed. See, but this man here, he said that I might receive my sight. That's faith. He said, what do you want? I might receive my sight. He didn't have to think about it. I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately, do you notice that? Thy faith has made thee whole. In other words, all that you have lost because you've been blind is going to be restored unto you. All the money that you could have made will be restored unto you. Anything that came about negative because you were blind, that's all being restored to you. And he said, it's thy faith that's made thee whole. He didn't say my power. He said your faith. And ultimately, we know it is the power of God. But without our faith, the power passes us by. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He followed Jesus in the way of the gospel. He followed Jesus in the way of ministry. He followed Jesus. It matters what you do when you receive your miracle. Yeah, Jesus was just passing that way. He did not call for blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus recognized that someone was coming. Power was passing his way. So he started calling out. When was the last time you called out to be made whole? Jesus, have mercy on me. Now, today, we don't have to say, Jesus, have mercy on me and stop. But at that time, they didn't have power everywhere on the earth because the Holy Spirit hadn't moved to earth yet. Today, we can say, Lord, I thank you that you had mercy. I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed over 2,000 years ago. And then you can just use those scriptures that are in the scripture cluster that you have built to be able to stand in faith regarding your health. Blind Bartimaeus was interested in being healed. I'm going to say that again. Blind Bartimaeus was interested in being healed. He was hungry for the power of God to touch his life. Jesus heard him, but the crowd was annoyed by him. They told him to shut up, but blind Bartimaeus ignored them. He recognized that there was something coming his way that he needed. And if he was silent, he knew it would pass him by. Listen, if I am silent, what I need will pass me by. And blind Bartimaeus knew he couldn't be silent when there was something available to him. It was those it was those who were not crying out that were the ones telling Bartimaeus to be silent. Yeah. It could be they thought he was being rude, but I, I don't know about that. In, in today's church, there are a sect of people that think that those of us who do cry out, that those, that those of us who are hungry, that those of us who do walk in our authority, and we teach that, they, they think we're a little less intelligent than they are kind of like these disciples here it kind of reminds me of that oh you be quiet don't bother the master it's kind of like i can sense that coming against us sometime from different people you know those of us who are hungry those of us who are pushing forward i can sense that from some people oh and they're sick and some of these people are sick people they need a healing touch they need what we have and they need to know what we know 
But yet they think, oh, that's unintelligent. They just know oh, that's that group over there. You know, and they'll and they'll talk about us in a negative way. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, not mentioning any names, just telling you, uh, you know, the way it is. And so I'm not going to be quiet. You know what? When I when things like that get back to me or I'm standing in somebody's presence and they're speaking to me around the bush, you know, beating around the bush. But I know exactly what they're saying. My spirit's picking up on it. My physical ears, natural ears are picking up on it. And that you know what that causes me to do? It causes me to get louder. It causes me to push harder. Because I can see they are not the only ones in the church that think that way. They need our help. So I push louder. I push harder because they need our help. Yes. So I'm not going to let. Listen, I can stop the power of God for somebody who's ignorant. But they're going to have to respond to the power that I stop for them. Pastor Brooks stops the power of God every time he teaches the word. But it's up to us to respond to the power that he stops for us. Are you getting this? Who glory to God. When I minister, the power of God is there for you. I'm st- when the healing room is coming up on Thursday at 7. When I'm ministering in the healing room, I'm stopping the healing power of God for everyone in the room who needs the healing. But but it's up to them to respond to the spirit that I'm stopping. Otherwise, he will start moving and he'll move away from them. And that has happened in the healing room and in all of our home fellowships. It's happened in the main sanctuary. It's happened in Impacto, even. Pastor Armin stops the power for us, and it's up to us to respond. Hallelujah. Whew, I don't want to miss those moments. When my pastor is doing his job, I need to do mine and respond to the spirit, respond to the answers, the revelation, the utterance that pastor is speaking with boldness. Glory to God. We need to get a hold of this. Power needs your call. Yeah, to know where to stop. I'm going to say that again. The power of God needs your call to know where to stop. Power only stops for faith. It doesn't stop for need. When blind Bartimaeus made the call that day, Jesus stopped. Miracle power stopped. Healing power stopped right in front of blind Bartimaeus because of the cry of faith. If Bartimaeus had been silent, Jesus would have continued on and just passed him by. How you respond to the Holy Spirit is contingent on your miracle. Yeah, it's a sad day when your miracle passes you by when all you had to do was call. Listen, we don't have to work the power. We don't author the power. All we have to do is call. Old Roberts made the statement, everyday miracles are coming to you or they pass you by. Everyday power is present to meet your faith. It's just waiting for your call. I recognize there is power available to me. It doesn't matter that you don't feel it. There's power that is not felt every day all over the world that is available to us. We know that power is available to us every day because the Holy Spirit, the power of God is present everywhere. Today, we can be anywhere and receive a healing or a miracle of any kind. We can be, mankind can be anywhere and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit arrived on the day of Pentecost. And we read about that in Acts chapter 2. His presence is everywhere in the earth. It arrived in the upper room, but it didn't stay there. The Holy Ghost went out from that place where the people were united and joined together in faith. Because power can only enter where faith is present. 
And from that upper room, the Holy Ghost went out through all the earth. Therefore, power is present in all the earth because the Holy Ghost is the power of God. In every room in your house and in your car and everywhere you are, there is power. So anything that you need, you can be standing in your kitchen and receive power for it. Don't let your miracle pass you by. Remember that old song that Richard Roberts used to sing on his father's broadcast every week? Something good is going to happen to you. Remember that old song? Well, it's not going to happen if you're silent. So what 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 is Oral Roberts saying when he says miracle power comes to you or passes you by every day something good is going to happen to you? Well, when you put those two together, it's just simply saying you've got to call it. They are saying there is goodness all around you. Don't let it go by you. Power is always flowing. Don't let it go by you. Call and stop it at your need. And that, and you do that by faith. It's that faith call. And that's what blind Bartimaeus did. And Jesus stopped on his journey headed somewhere else. Ooh, Jesus was headed somewhere else. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus was headed toward Jairus' house. And the woman with the issue of blood... She said, if I could but touch, the Bible says she said it. We don't know what she would be thinking. Who could record if her thoughts? No, she said it. You have to say it, you see? And so she touched Jesus by the touch of faith, but she spoke words before she ever touched Jesus. And Jesus said to her, thy faith has made you, you whole. He was going somewhere else. Power can be headed in one direction. God can have someone else in mind, but you can reach out and stop the power for your need by your cry of faith. That's why in a service by the word of knowledge, I will call out a certain issue, um, you know, physical issue that people might have in the room. And God knows exactly who in the room needs that a healing for that particular issue. And very seldom have I ever called anybody's name like, okay, Dick and Jane, you have back issues. You know, Dick and Jane, come forward. You have back issues. Because most likely there's going to be all kinds of people in the room with back issues. So I'm careful not to put a name on it unless I really get an unction from the Holy Spirit to do that, which is very, very rare. Because then that limits the power of God. If you call people forth who has that issue, then all of them will come forth who has that issue. And then it doesn't limit the power of God for certain ones. It's for anyone that will call. If a word of knowledge comes and you say, I do have that issue, but they didn't say my name, so I'm not sure if that's for me. <laughs> Listen, anyone who calls can have it. If you say, that's mine. You know, one day, I think it was Lori, I think it was you, you said... Yes, it was during the How to Take Your Mind Back class, and I said from the piano something about eyes were going to be healed, and you said, I take that because you were having eye issues, and your eye was healed. That's a very good example of grabbing a hold of what you need when it comes out. I didn't say, Lori. I didn't say anything. I said, eyes are going to be healed. Well, somebody's eye was giving them trouble, and it was healed. She doesn't have any trouble with it anymore. So see, understand, I didn't limit God by calling out a name. Now, I didn't know a name anyway, but I wouldn't want to do that, even if I did know it was Lori. I wouldn't call her name unless I had an action from the Holy Ghost. She reached out, and she responded to the power. Yeah. Again, that's why in a service, by the word of knowledge, I won't call out names, because I do not want to limit the power for certain ones. It puts limits on it when you put names on it. So, 
Hallelujah. Besides that, Dick and Jane, they may not even respond. They may not even be able to receive because they're not hungry or interested. God doesn't limit what's available. He doesn't limit it for certain ones. It's for anyone that will call. Glory to God. Whoever calls can have it. We don't have to say your name. Whoever calls can have it. Not just healing and miracle power, but what about revelation power? Power is connected to revelation. You can hear a sermon. You can say, ah, that's mine. Again, I, just like Lori did. That's mine. I take that. Don't let it pass you by. So then Jesus stopped on his travels because one man called. He stopped right there at the call. And then all of those who were telling him to shut up are now saying, oh, lucky fella. He's calling for you. Yeah. No, he's not lucky. It was the call of faith. It was the call of faith. They thought Jesus was showing favoritism. No, he heard a call and recognized faith. And when he heard faith, he showed up. Glory to God. So God's power is always flowing, but we are the ones who are responsible to cooperate with that power to receive our answer. If we don't cooperate with it, it will pass us by. If we don't respond to the power of God, it will pass us by. Well, doesn't God love us enough to want to help us? Yeah, that's why he makes power available, because he loves us. But he cannot do for us what only our faith can do. His part is power. Your part is faith. He can't do your part, and you can't do his part. He cannot do your calling for you, and it won't come just because you have a need. It won't come just because you are crying because God doesn't answer crying emotions. Yeah, a cry of faith is different than the cry of emotions. God answers faith. He answers the cry of faith as with blind Bartimaeus. God doesn't answer needs. Now listen, God does not answer needs. I'm going to say it this way. God does not meet needs. Okay, I sound like I'm talking against the word there. But just follow me, because if he answered needs, if he met need, then there would be no need, no needs on earth. They would all be met. He doesn't show up because you have a need. Power is here and available. It's because faith calls that power stops. God doesn't stop for the need. God answers faith with supply. God answers faith with the healing power. God answers faith. God's power stops for faith not emotion. The manifested power of God does not help you unless you respond. He meets your response with demonstration. So we have to become skillful with the power that is available to us. And if we are not skillful, our lives will show the lack of skill. Yeah. You know, when someone's on a sports team, and they haven't been to the practices and haven't learned the basics, it's going to show up on the field who's been practicing. Well, on the field of life, it will show up whether or not we are skilled or skillful with the power of God that is present everywhere. It's our job to learn how God's power works. Look at the laws that govern electrical power. I've been talking about that a lot lately. The ability to have, the ability to have electrical power has been here ever since man has been on the earth. But men didn't learn how to cooperate with it until around the time of Thomas Edison and other inventors around his time. Someone started saying, wait, look at that. There is power. Benjamin Franklin was interested enough in natural lightning power to search out how to conduct it. He searched it out to see if it could be stored and conducted. 
He was the first to initiate contact with lightning power by sending up a kite with the key attached. He searched out the law of natural power, and we are greatly benefited by it today. Yeah. Men began to wonder about this power that was present on the earth. Can we make contact with it? Can we store it? Can we conduct it or send it out somewhere on purpose? And because they learned the laws that governed that we have electric, that's the reason we have electrical power, because they learned the laws that govern. Hallelujah. I'm so glad they were interested. Yeah. We have power because someone was interested enough to learn how to cooperate with the power that was in nature. Why are people who are born again in the church not skillful with power? They're not skillful because they are not interested. It's a lack of interest. They're content with their wheelchair. They're content with sickness in their body. They're content with not having enough. They're not interested in the power. I don't know about you, but I'm not content without experiencing all that God paid such a high price for us to have. We know that it's a lack of interest with some people. When when you're interested, you start searching. You can tell by somebody's life if they're cooperating with the power or not. And I I don't want to sound like I'm being judgmental here, but if somebody has sickness in their body and they're not using their faith for healing or they're handicapped and not using their faith to come out of that, you know, to tap into the power and the word of God on that, well, that's because they're not interested. And, And for them to hear me say, you're saying I'm not interested in the power of God. That is not true. They, they, they don't understand. So we don't point the finger. We're not judgmental. We love them where they're at. But I'm saying to you, that's a, um object lesson. Don't settle for anything less than the promises of God. Don't settle for anything less than what Jesus paid such a high price to give us. We know this because when you're interested, you start searching. You start seeking to learn something. Bottom line, if people aren't learning, it's because they're not interested. I don't know about you, but I'm interested to learn about the power of God that is present and available everywhere. I want to cooperate. I want to cooperate with it because every day my life needs power. Life is better with power. Listen, life is better with power. You know, back in the day before electrical power, the maintenance of life was a lot harder. It was a lot more, it took a lot of time. The maintenance of life took all day. Washing clothes, you know, taking baths, um, uh, you know, heating up the water and lugging it over to the little tub. I mean, and then the cooking and, you know, because you didn't have refrigeration. I mean, all of that. The maintenance of life, it took a lot of the day up. But today, because of power, the maintenance of life isn't so much. When I lived out in the country and the electric went out, because we had windstorms, rainstorms, snowstorms, ice storms, that kind of thing. Well, when the power went out, we didn't have water either because we weren't hooked up to the city water. We had a well. And you have to have the pump. The pump has to have electricity to pump the water up out of the well. So if this happened on the weekend, that meant we couldn't shower or shave or fix our hair. Everyone at church could tell whose power was out just by the way they looked. Some of us just needed the touch of a curling iron or a blow dryer. Yeah. For the most part, I've always had long hair. So if I wasn't able to style it, you could tell something was wrong. Well, likewise, you can tell which Christians are cooperating with God's power and those who are not by the way their life looks. Power makes life better. 
You can tell who's cooperating with the power by the way they look. You can tell who is skillful with this power. From time to time, you know, I use a hair dryer or I use a, a curling iron. Uh, and I've never picked up my curling iron and said, I have used you for so many years. You ought to know that I need you to come on. So why don't you come on? You know I need you to work. But see, it doesn't work that way. I have the device the hairdryer or the curling iron, but I still have to push the button. I never expect it to work automatically because I know that with a device, there are certain steps to making our devices work. You will not experience the benefit of the device unless you follow the steps. But yet Christians think God just automatically will meet their need because he knows they have a need. They say, God, why don't you just heal me? Why don't you just meet my needs? They expect something out of God that they don't even expect out of their hair dryer or their curling iron or their device. They expect God's power to be automatic when even natural power isn't. Every time you need power from a device, you will take the necessary steps. And you're interested enough to read the manual so you know how it works. Because if it's not working right, hey, where's the book on that, honey? And you get the book out because why? You're interested enough to get your money's worth out of your device. But yet when some have a need, they get offended with God. They ask, why didn't you heal this person? Why didn't you pay my bills? Because someone didn't know the steps to take. Ha. Hallelujah. Because someone didn't know the steps to take. And they got offended with God because they didn't know. That's like being offended with your hair dryer. Because you didn't know it needed to be plugged in. Yeah. That's a lack of knowledge. That's like this fella, I know his car ran out of gas, and he got so mad at the car, he got out of the car, and he walked around the car, and he kicked every one of the tires. How stupid is that? It wasn't the car's fault. He didn't put gas in it. That's a lack of um, intelligence. We don't expect our devices to just start working. We don't expect our car to just start up and, and start going forward just because we get into it. No, you go through each step. But with God, some people get offended. Yeah, if he doesn't automatically do something for them because they have a need. Power is present. If you're interested, you'll respond with faith. And God's power meets your faith. And the need then is met. So if we're really interested in power, if I want a hairdryer to work, I have to make sure that every step that is required for it to work is done. I have to make sure it's plugged in and that it has proper power. Because when I'm in another country, the voltage is different. It won't work right if I plug my device into their outlets because their outlets are not properly wired for my device. Even so, with God's power, it's our job to learn how his power operates. If you want to be healed, you have to get interested in how the healing power operates. Some folks just want God to dump things on them, and then they get offended if he doesn't. Listen, God's power is so great, it has to have laws that govern it. God has put in his body those who have learned and become skillful with the laws that govern. Are you hearing me? You need to be a student of those who know the ways of God. It's not enough to know the will of God. You have to know his ways. And you know, he has given us the fivefold ministry gifts in the earth to teach us about God's power. Just like those like Thomas Edison and Benjamin Franklin, all of those that spent so many hours in the lab searching out this natural power. 
God has also blessed us in the body of Christ with those who can teach us about the, the ways of God and about how the power of God works and how we are to work and cooperate with that power. Now, Father, we thank you and give you praise. <laughs> glory to God. Ooh, glory to God. Thank you, Father, for what is coming about out of this revelation. Father God, how this light, this revelation has power connected to it. And when people respond, their life is going to look different. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. Well, everyone, our time is up. Thank you so much for joining me for this Bible study. Have a great week. And remember that Jesus is coming soon.